Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here with another Best of Pictures mini-sode. Uh, last week we talked about Alfonso Cuaron's Gravity uh, in our first uh, official episode in, in a few weeks. And so uh, this week we are talking about the winner of Best Picture in 19, or I'm sorry, for 1999. And that is Sam, uh, Sam Mendes' American Beauty. Uh, but before we, before we uh, get to that, let me welcome in my co-host, Josh Long. Josh. Hello. How you doing? Doing all right. I caught you mid-yawn. I apologize. No, no. I, I came out of it in time. Yeah, I saw your mouth just snap shut and, <laughs> and you jumped into action. Yeah. Uh, now, before we uh, get into this, I did want to say, so this is going up on a Wednesday, and that is because I am leaving to go to Comic-Con on a Wednesday, so I won't be able to post it on, on the regular day. So if you're hearing this the day that it went up or even the day after you still have time. If you are in the San Diego area, you can come to the, uh, the meetup for battleship pretension and Warner archive and criterion cast and the televerse and out now and Screamcast And of course, more than one lesson, uh, that will be at the Dublin square Irish pub. So unfortunately you cannot get in if you are under 21, I apologize. And you know what, if you are under 21 and you can't make the meetup and you want to, Shoot me a tweet. Maybe we'll be able to have lunch with you or something. Yeah. Or um, at least come outside and Yeah, and talk to you for a couple minutes. Hang out for a bit. <laughs> exactly. They'll let you bring drinks out of the bar, right? They don't. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm sure they don't. I don't know. I, I don't know bar etiquette because I never go to them. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that will be at 8 p.m. Thursday, the 20, that's the 24th, I think, right? Thursday's the 24th. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, uh, that's when it'll be 8 p.m. Dublin Square Irish Pub. Uh, we always have a, a, a nice little turnout and it's always nice talking to people. So, uh, we will both be there and it'll be very exciting. Now we've got stuff to get to primarily. We've got American beauty to get to. All right. So the year is 1999. What I contend is the best movie year of all time and of all time. I do think so. Better than 1936. 36 had its moments. Mm. I can't think of any off the top of my <laughs> head, but it did all right. Best picture, The Great Ziegfeld. Oh, yes, indeed. We'll get there. Don't don't spoil it for me. I'm don't, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Give me something to look forward to. Uh, in that is what? That's that's in like 15 years. Yeah, we'll that's, that. uh, that's 13. I'm sorry. That's 63 mini-sodes from now. Right. So by we're going to be doing this a while. Oof. But that's okay. That's It, it, it kind of gives me a, a kick in the butt to... Uh, to actually watch some of these movies, not, and there are some people who say that, uh, and I would venture to say they're correct, that if you're putting together a list of movies that are essential, if you're a movie fan, you may not always, it may not always coincide with best picture. No. Um, there's a lot that don't. Yeah. Have you seen them all? Or no, I sure. I, oh, I certainly okay. haven't. And once we get to, yeah, that's going to be interesting when we get to the ones that it'll be the first time you've seen them. That'll yeah. be cool. Once we get to 87, that is that's when, the first one. Last yeah, emperor. I never okay. saw last emperor. Cool. I haven't seen out of Africa. I haven't seen chariots of fire. It's a good chunk of the eighties, eighties there that you haven't seen, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can understand why you haven't seen. Them well, yet. I've heard wonderful things about last emperor. I feel like that's one that needs to be seen. It's Bertolucci. Yeah. I think I feel like I'm, I'm criminally unfamiliar with. I've seen, yeah, <laughs> I've seen uh, Last Tango in Paris. Okay, many years ago. Yeah. I let me put it this way: I remember some things about it, not the good things, not the things I wish I remembered. <laughs> um, and then uh, the Dreamers, I saw that as I've well. Never seen that. That one's. I mean, it's. I saw his really sexually charged films. Uh, yeah. So, um, 
but yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this, but, uh, but in 1999, I think, okay, so I first really started getting into movies when I was probably, I mean, I always loved them, but really started demanding more of myself as a film viewer when I was probably 14. So 96, mm-hmm. uh, but I was and then 97. So 96 is when I started catching up on old things that I hadn't seen. And, but there wasn't a lot of overlap. I saw, I, I rented and watched Fargo with my dad, mm-hmm. uh, shine and sling blade. Those were the big three from that year that I knew anything about 97. Fifth, I'm age 15. I'm starting to get more invested. You got your LA confidential. You got the apostle wag the dog, more things I'm interested in 98, even more. So then 99 comes along and Two things happen. I, I had gotten my license when I was 16, but uh, still a few months late. I turned 17, which means I could go see rated R movies on my own. It was my senior year, and uh, my schedule was such that I did not have a great deal of homework. Um, I was working at a video store, so I was renting a lot of stuff. And so it was... 99, like my senior year of high school is when everything, just the dam burst, and ev- I saw everything mm. which works out very nicely and maybe it's maybe it's uh, n- you know not a coincidence that that year <laughs> is the year i consider to be the best but if you look at that year and we don't want this to turn into the you know the four hour bp episode about 1999 but if you look at that year it is an interesting blend of all of you know filmmaking masters and the new crop of people mm-hmm. you've got your scorsese you've got your pt anderson You've got your Spike Jones. You've got Mike Lee. You've got it's it's just an interesting uh, array of films. You have you know a new Oliver Stone film, and then you've got M Night Shyamalan. It's just yeah. it's it's an interesting film in that an interesting year in that way. So okay, and in 1999, uh, I'll say this: the movie that won Best Picture, American Beauty. That was a movie that I loved at the time because I was the right age. Mm-hmm. I was 17. Uh, you know, I was, I didn't, I certainly did not fancy myself anti-establishment or anything, but I was, you know, you start to develop a little bit of cynicism because maybe you're starting to be old enough that you recognize eh, things aren't exactly what I was told they would be mm-hmm. um, by everybody. And, and American beauty really feels like that by which I mean, it feels like a 17 year old wrote it uh, <laughs> at times. Um, and I don't mean to take too much away from the film because um, it did – there's some good – there are good things in it. But I saw that movie several times in the theater um, and I think I probably – at the time, I think I probably would have said it was my favorite movie of that year. Um, but I think if I was being honest, I was torn between that and and uh, The Insider. Mm. But then there is, there is also just so many other great movies that – you know, to this day, I have a hard time thinking what my favorite of that year would be. Probably The Insider, maybe Magnolia, maybe being John Malkovich, Three Kings, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of options for me. A lot of them hit me a very specific way. So uh, so uh, we'll, we'll get more into American Beauty specifically in a moment. But, uh, but 99 was just such a fascinating year. And it was a fascinating year for the Oscars as well because – Looking at this, we have a list in front of us of, of some really notable movies that came out in 99. Looking at this list, the movies that ultimately wound up being nominated for Best Picture, in many cases, not all of them, but in many cases, are by far the least of mm. of these great movies. The nominees, you know what, actually, we'll get to the nominees in a moment. I'll, I'll, 
I'll take you back, Josh. And under what circumstances did you see American Beauty? Did you see it in the theater? No. Okay. Um, because at, since I'm about a year younger than you, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to see it in the theater at the time. So I didn't see it until I was in college, which was two years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember liking it at, at, at the time. I had some friends in college who would make a, uh, a tradition of watching it right around exam time every year, hmm. which I think the reason they did that was to kind of <laughs> get themselves in that headspace that was like, it doesn't, doesn't all really matter that much. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> uh, they should have watched a film called The Paper Chase, okay. uh, which won Best Supporting Actor for John Houseman in 1973. There you go. Uh, and it's a very good movie, and it's, and it's kind of about that. Yeah. These uh, people in college who, hmm. in law school specifically, that are really putting pressure on themselves and then our main character realizes, Oh, you know what? I think maybe, uh, maybe this isn't that important. Yeah. And I think like, uh, amidst the stress of having to try and study for all your exams and get everything perfect, it was kind of fun to watch a character who just decides he's going to do whatever he wants with his life. Yes. Um, so that was kind of a, a funny thing about it, but I, I I'm trying to remember if that is the context in which I first saw it. Cause they would do that every year. Um, and my, I think it might've been my freshman year. So I'm not totally, totally sure when I saw it, but, uh, I remember liking it at the time and remember knowing going into it, that this was the movie that Kevin space and Spacey had one best actor for. Mm-hmm. So there was, um, you know, I was paying attention to the performance that way. Um, also <laughs> a lot of what I had heard about it was, the controversial aspects, uh, mainly that he, he's in quote unquote un, in love with an underage girl. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, only knowing that there was something kind of lascivious about that without knowing any, any of the details, I knew that going into it as well. Yeah. Um, and, and it ended up, I guess being tamer than, than I expected, uh, which was good. I think I was a little, if that's all you know going into the film yeah. like well it has to do with a middle-aged man in love with an underage girl it's so interesting to think in those terms because i mean i'm so you know it's weird i'm envious of myself which is strange because uh well it's still me i still experienced it you don't need yeah. to be envious of yourself no nope. um in that there are so many movies that i saw back then these days if i see a movie i probably know something about it's hard not to and it's it's fun to try to sometimes and i'm occasionally able to to do that but it's hard to especially when you're in a community with other people who are you know about everything that's coming out long before it does come out and frankly doing both of my shows yeah i feel like i have something of an obligation to maybe not necessarily watch the trailers but at least know something about the movies that are being released and that sort of thing but in 99 I did, I watched stuff that looked that looked interesting to me for whatever reason. Yeah. I knew not, I very I I didn't immediately jump to the internet as a resource mm-hmm. for you know reviews and plots and that kind of thing, and so I just hey Kevin Spacey I liked him from Usual Suspects and a couple of years ago from uh, L.A. Confidential. Let's see mm-hmm. what this is. Yeah, I think that's probably and and it reminded me. I think I'd seen a trailer for it and it seemed like a, a more funny, ordinary people, which was a movie mm-hmm. that I loved at the time. Yeah. And so I went in not knowing any of the controversy, not yeah. knowing any of that material. And so, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I think, I wonder if maybe that's why I, upon first seeing it, loved it. Whereas, mm-hmm. 
you liked it, but by that time it had something of a reputation, not merely as controversial, but also best picture worthy. Yeah, award-winning movie, yeah. yeah. And I remember, because I was a, a similar age to where you were when I first saw it, I, I remember some of the things that I liked about it, mm-hmm. I think were... Uh, I liked because I was the age to like them. Like Mm -hmm. the most specific one I can remember is I found the stuff with the, um, uh, the West Bentley character, Ricky Fitz, Ricky Fitz. Um, I found that very poignant when I was 18 years old (laughs) and going back and watching it now, because I watched it fairly recently. Yeah. Um, I hate that character. I don't hate that character. Um, but I'm, I kind of do. Um, I find the character annoying, at least. I'll say that. Yeah, at the time, you know what? I'll say this. Much as I loved the film, I loved it because of Kevin Spacey. A lot of things. Yeah. I loved it because of Kevin Spacey, mm-hmm. primarily. And there was a lot of other stuff that I really liked about the movie. But the uh, that Wes Bentley character, even when I was 17 and, and predisposed to like that character and like the movie as a whole... I thought that character was a little one note. I remember th- being mm. frustrated by him, but I don't think I was able to figure out why. Hmm. I certainly would not have used the phrase one note. Mm. But I think what bothered me about him, and I can say it now, I think what bothered me about him is that he's not dynamic. There's nothing – I think he's well played. I think well, Wes Bentley does a good job with him. But I think he's written as just a total plateau. Just He yeah. is the constant. Everybody else is the variable. They bounce up against him, and he – and they change. He does not. Mm-hmm. He's the one that everybody thinks is weird. And, oh, maybe he's weird because he's got it figured out, man. You know, the, the way no 18-year-old does. Right. <laughs> um, that's that's my problem with the character now. And I think it might have been my problem with the character then. But there's no way I could have uh, – I was in a position to think of that. I just knew that, like, eh, somehow it's just not working for me. But it didn't stop me from, from liking – from loving the movie mm-hmm. at the time. But now that is a big deal to me yeah. because he's the one that's de- that declares theme constantly. You know, any problem with the film can be traced – it can't be traced back to him because it doesn't start with him. But the same mentality that creates that character, yeah. the way it created him, is the reason that the film doesn't, for me, work. It's a, yeah. I think it's a script problem. Yeah, I think so. And uh, when you look back at that monologue that he has about the paper bag and everything – yeah. It's, it's pretty stupid. Yeah, it sure is. And, uh, and here's the thing about it. That is the sort of thing that would come out of the mouth of an 18-year-old. So yes. it works in that way. But that the film wants it to be poignant, yeah. I think, is a, is, a, is a negative point for the film. And again, when you're 18, you will see it that way. Well, but, and, and you know, the thing is, and by the way, if we have any 18 year old listeners, I'm sorry to, I'm sorry if you think that we're calling you stupid or anything, but it's just, uh, it's not that I don't want to think, I, I don't want to say, oh, I know so much better now. It's just that because undoubtedly there are movies that I love now that I'm 32, that 10 years from now I might think, ah, yes, well, <laughs> you were 32. For example, I don't have any children. Yeah. I'm sure once I have children, there'll be a, will be a ton of movies that I, that I realize, oh, Wow. That was as phony as could be. Yeah. But because of where I am in my life right now, there are movies that are very relevant to me. And I'll also and that, work for me. That doesn't mean that, like, I, I think an 18-year-old could go and watch American Beauty now and really get a lot out of it. Sure. And that doesn't, I'm not saying that's because you're, like, 
too young or anything like that. I think that could have a genuinely positive, that could be a genuinely positive experience for, right. for people. And I say, in that case, go for it. Great. Yeah. If you can get something, I mean, we've said it on the show before, you can still get things out of a bad movie. And if, yeah. and so, and if that's the case, I don't want to shame you for getting something personally out of it. You know, get what you can out of it and then feel free to move on if you want to yeah. or whatever. You know, it's, it, it's fine. It, it might be the sort of thing that just speaks to you more where you are now than mm-hmm. it will in 10 years. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and, and I think I can't argue with the film for for committing to the convictions of Wes Bentley's character because you don't want a character that you don't want a movie that's going to hold that's going to stand back from the character and judge him yeah. and say, ah, oh, this whole plastic bag thing is dumb. You can't have that. You want, you want your film to be on board with your characters. But the problem is the film is not primarily from his point of view. He's a supporting character. It's Kevin Spacey's. It's mostly his film. I mean, he's the one narrating it after yeah. all, and even though he's not in every scene. Uh, it's, it is, I don't know. An argument could be made that it's for every audience because there are characters in different stages of life and that sort of thing. But it does seem to be primarily from the point of view of these other uh, of these other characters. And so uh, I feel like I don't know. Maybe there's a certain degree of uh, wistfulness to the Ricky Fitz character and and adults looking at him and saying, "Oh, I wish I could be this again." But at the same time, when I look back at myself at 18, there are certain things that I absolutely wish I could go back to. Mm-hmm. But, but that, there are other things that I think, boy, I'm glad I'm past that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's – so I'm glad that we're talking about this because it's, you know, it, it's it's become very easy to dismiss this film as one of the bad best pictures and, oh, man, none of us knew what, what were we thinking at the time. There is good stuff in it and it's worth dissecting. You know, it's a film that, that, is, on, that is on board with its own philosophy. Why wouldn't you want that? Um, but I think, yes, I think it is written very, very hamily, very on the nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the actors all do a, a very good job. I think it's shot beautifully. It's Conrad Hall, mm-hmm. which won, it won Best Cinematography that year. Um, and so, uh, and it's, I won't say, you know, I, I assume if you're listening to this, you've seen the film quite possibly many times at this point. It's 15 years old now. Mm-hmm. And, um and so, you know, I'm not going to go into the detail, but it's just, you know, this suburban family that are, each of them feel they feel disjointed from one another. And and each one has their own story and they all sort of wrap up together. And it winds up being a film about not merely the suburbs, but about walking through life, just doing what you are obliged to do and not really living. I'm on board with pretty much all of that. Mm-hmm. Um but I think the execution, specifically from the script level, I think is is the problem. Um, you know, yeah. Sam Mendes has gone on to be. Uh, it's a very. It's. I'll say this. It's. It's directed with a very sure hand that he mm-hmm. has. I mean, Road to Perdition, same deal. Jarhead, uh, Revolutionary Road, uh, Away We Go, and Skyfall. Sam Mendes has a pretty good, for the most part, a pretty good filmography under his belt, and so. I think I I think I do genuinely like him as a director. I think so too. As a director. Yeah. And so uh so yeah, it's it's a film that I I think Now okay, look, we'll we'll go to this. Uh we've asked I've asked you this before. If somebody was going to watch American Beauty, would you warn them away from it or would you say, "Okay, that's fine." I don't think I would warn them away from it. No. Yeah. Um because I think there's a lot to be enjoyed in it. Mm-hmm. I think 
like you say, there's enough, there are enough problems with the script that can, that take away from it a lot. Um, but I, I think some people can kind of enjoy that type of movie too. That is so, I want to say over the top, but that's not, that's not the right phrase. Just that all of the characters are so extremely that character. Yeah, they're they're Does that make sense? Ar- archetypal, kind of. Or yeah, archetypical. I yeah. never quite know how you're supposed to say that. Yeah. Um, Each character is the essence of the, of itself. Kind of. Yeah, and I can see people enjoying that sort of thing, and it, I can see it being enough for someone that that part of it is interesting regardless of, of whether there's hammy dialogue or something like that, you yeah. know, like, so I, I think there's a lot of people who can still like this movie a lot and legitimately really enjoy it. So I, I don't even think I can really say, I think it's a, I don't think I'd say it's a bad movie. I'd just say there's a lot of things I I don't like about it. Yeah. I, and you know, now that I think about certain things and mentioning that there are characters that are, that can be summed up pretty easily, which I say is, I'd say, with maybe the one exception I can think of is Thor Birch's character, who seems like a very, a genuine, frustrated, confused teenager mm-hmm. who's trying to figure things out. I feel like, I mean, I guess I did just sort of sum her up, but I summed her up in a way that you could sum up any number of other p- actual people. Whereas right. I feel like you're not going to run across a lot of people like Ricky Fitz or Lester Burnham or Carolyn mm-hmm. Burnham. You might run across people that seem like that, and part of them are that, but there's more to them. And I think the the archetypal issue with the characters uh, is never more prevalent than in dealing with the entire Fitz family. Yeah. Um, Chris Cooper, great actor. Allison Janney, great actress. Yeah. West Ban- uh, West Bentley, solid actor. I and I might even be, I might even call him a good actor if I have seen it, if I'd seen him more in more things, which I haven't. So that's not on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but each one is just, you know, Allison Janney is just this, just this beat down wife who. She's like a shell of a person. Yeah. She, she fell in love with this guy who's just very domineering. And over the years, she just lost her identity and she j- often just sits completely still and quiet and you don't quite know what's going on in her head. It's just, you know, I mean without going into a lot of detail, I have known some people who've been in bad marriages for many years and they still, and, and I, and I know because I know them and what they've communicated to me that there, there are times when they're very frustrated and they feel very alone. And that's a very sad, heartbreaking thing, but they also still operate from day to day. Mm-hmm. And that actually, in my opinion, makes the sadness so much more sad is that there are a host of other movies that are doing that exactly yes and then of course chris cooper who again his performance is very very good but he plays this character who's you know a former marine he's homophobic he's right down to the fact that they spend their evenings watching old ronald reagan military you know comedies and he laughs out loud at it because it's just aha that's it's just this guy is so backward yeah he's that he you know, you you almost get the impression that he's watching this movie because Ronald Reagan was president and he was behind him. Now he's going to laugh at anything in it. Yeah, and it's just uh, it just bothers me a lot. But I, I, I think don't he, I don't like the treatment of that character at all in the movie. Yeah. It's the movie's so judgmental towards that character that he yeah. he becomes a caricature. And so then, if you're trying to do this, I mean, people have defended Crash in saying that it's kind of like a fable. Mm-hmm. And if you were to try to look at this movie, that perhaps you could make that same defense. 
Um, uh, but I don't know, maybe in the, I think the subtlety of, of, uh, what the movie wants the Colonel's ending to be, I guess. Yeah. Um, if you want that to really hit on an emotional level, I feel like it's not as effective to have him be this big, goofy stereotype character. I can see why they did it because it takes his character from just being completely, completely unsympathetic and just brutal. just something of a, something of a monster. And with, with that reveal, it makes the character tragic that as much as he puts out to other people, he probably does it to himself just as much, if not more. And he's, and he won't let himself be who he really is. So I understand the idea behind it, but I do think, and I, and I'll say this once again, I think Chris Cooper elevates that material. And there are moments when he's yelling at his son and they're having this, this really these really uh, rough encounters. You actually see a little bit of humanity behind the eyes. You see him, wanting to connect with his son and just not being able to, but you see the desperation there, but it's, it's almost all in looks. It's not in the script, in the script itself to my knowledge. Um, and so, but yeah, the character is still so simplified and so such an antagonist, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's kind of the same thing with Annette Bening's character, but even she is allowed moments of humanity and, and that sort of thing. But yeah. I feel like it's, it's important to say too. And I remember this was one of the things that bothered me about the film at the time is I, I can understand what they're trying to do in, in having that tragic reveal, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's not a very, I don't feel like it's a very fair characterization of that character. The same way that we've complained on the show before that we don't think it's all right if a Christian film says that the only reason this guy is an atheist is because really something bad happened to him right. and now he doesn't understand it. So I think it's the same thing if you have a character that's super militantly homophobic and then say, actually, he's he's gay. Yeah. And it's, you know what? And honestly, every time I saw it in the theater, there was an audible reaction from the audience, but it was not one of sympathy it was one of oh it was it was like a twist it was like a twist instead of instead of a sad character reveal even Mm -hmm. though it's even though from a performance standpoint that's absolutely how it's treated right it's great but but yeah the way the film treats it it's like ah the last puzzle piece falling into place we now know who done it yeah although actually i say that forgetting that there actually is a who done element (laughs) to the film i'm sorry um (laughs) But yeah, it, it does feel like that. Like, ah, everything wrong with this character can be summed up in this one thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it is a little uh, simplified, I think. And and as a result, I think uh, condescending and patronizing to maybe all, quite possibly all the characters. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it's still a film that I don't necessarily, I don't think I would warn people away from because it is beautiful. Hmm. The music is very good. Uh, the performances are great all around sure-handed direction there's a lot of good in this movie yeah um is it the best picture of the year i don't think so so let's look at the let's look at first let's look at the other five nominees for best picture you've got the insider the sixth sense the green mile and the cider house rules i think the issue is that they said we're we're not going to give anything best picture that has the in it 
<laughs> and American Beauty is it. Um, so of those, you know, you look at that and it seems like something of a weak field. I think The Insider is wonderful. I think it's marvelous. And I'm a big fan of The Sixth Sense and good for the Academy for nominating. Yeah, I, I agree. And that was... Had it not made the money that it did, they, it wouldn't be on their radar at all. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. It's, yeah, that was a movie that, that was kind of a sleeper thing at the time. Like it was one that... Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I saw that opening day with my, I was at the time in a long distance relationship and I went and saw it with uh, my girlfriend back in Denver. We just wanted to go see a movie and it's like, Hey, this is starting soon. Let's go see that. <laughs> Knew nothing about it. <laughs> oh, that's great. And, uh, boy, oh boy, <laughs> I wish I could be one of those guys. Like I saw the ending coming. I did not. <laughs> and, uh, boy, it was, it was invigorating. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those ones that, uh, yeah, it's it's really because it's atypical as a best picture mm-hmm. nominee, but uh, but it's one that a lot of people loved and has a lot of really endured enduring moments and images, mm-hmm. and um, so that's that's cool to see a movie like that nominated. Cider House Rules is a film that I didn't even like that much at the time, and it has not aged well. Incidentally, I just I've never seen it. It's it's not. It is really not very good. The Green Mile is a film that I still defend to a certain extent, but it's just you know, kind of overblown. And I feel like maybe it could be cut down a little bit, which isn't a thing I say lightly. I don't like to think in those terms. Um, so I'm fine with the insider being nominated and fine with six cents being nominated. The other two could probably be swapped out for something else. Um, so of these five nominees, my vote would go to the insider, which I think is just a, you know, I mean, I, I was blown away by that movie. And I remember, Again, I said that maybe my favorite part of American Beauty is Kevin Spacey. And even at the time, I said, well, Russell Crowe deserves Best Actor. <laughs> um, and so and it was a good year for Best Actor, too, by the way. You had Terrence Stamp and Limey. You had oh, yeah. uh, Richard Farnsworth in The Straight Story. You had one of like the only Sean Penn performance that I absolutely adore, which is in Sweet and Low Down. Oh, yeah. Um, there, it's, there's a lot of good stuff going on. But, um, but yeah, so of those five, what would you have given Best Picture? Honestly, I can't make a, I can't make a, I couldn't pick one because The Sixth Sense is the only of one of those other nominees that I've seen all of. I haven't seen The Insider at all. I haven't seen The Cider House Rules. I've seen parts of The Green Mile. Oh, wow. Okay. On TV. So none of those other movies have I really seen. I'm sure I've said it before, but you got to see The Insider. Yeah, I know. It's one of those ones that every time I remember it, I'm like, I should have seen that by now. I do own it. I can lend it to you. That's true. And but, that is, it is, it's Michael Mann and it's, it's him at his most beautiful and just the most visually striking. And so I feel like, and I do think it's his best film. Some people say heat. I disagree, hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I'll lend that to you. Um, now other notable 1999 releases, I'll just rattle them off. And by the way, these are the ones that I think could in a, in a certain way be seen as best picture material. There yeah. are probably another 10 or 15 that aren't really best picture material, that are still great. Which is funny to me because I've seen way more of these than I've actually seen of those nominees. Oh, yeah. So we've got, just going down the list here, Magnolia, Boys Don't Cry, Three Kings, Being John Malkovich, The Hurricane, The Talented Mr. Ripley, All About My Mother, Bringing Out the Dead, Fight Club, The Blair Witch Project, The Matrix, Eyes Wide Shut, The Straight Story, and Election. That is a pretty amazing list. Now, if we were expanding this, and maybe there's there's other 1999 movies that you're not thinking of. Um, I did not write Sweet and Low Down here, by the way. I forgot mm-hmm. to. Um, but I feel like that, that could be in there. Uh, going by this list, or others you might be thinking of, what do you think deserves to win Best Picture? I think it would have been Magnolia for me. Okay. And I think I might have seen that before 
a lot of these other movies because mm-hmm. I remember I rented that one. So I might have seen that before I was in college even. But uh but that's that's a movie that I really like a lot. Yeah, and, for me it's a multiple way tie. Uh Magnolia, yeah. Three Kings, being John Malkovich, and yes, I would venture to say Eyes Wide Shut, mm. which I think is an astounding film, but if we are thinking in terms of what could be nominated for best picture, Eyes Wide Shut is not it. I don't think uh it just doesn't Kubrick aside, and it having star power, I, I don't think it's the kind of thing that the Academy would really get behind. Yeah. Though it is a wonderful film. Well, it's amazing to look at the list of, like, if you think of the list of directors here that are working in this mm-hmm. year, you got P.T. Anderson, you got David O. Russell, you got uh, Almodovar, you got Scorsese, Fincher, yeah, Spike like, Jones, Spike Jones, Kubrick, uh, fin- Alexander uh, Payne, uh, David Lynch. Like, that's yeah. a, that's. That's yeah. like a who's who of directors of the uh, end of the millennium. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I do. That's that's why I one of the things that I love about that year is that you know some years it's it's you know you get a a, a high number of the old masters. Some it's like oh look at all these new kids, but this one it was a blend of both. Um, the only one missing is Spielberg, frankly. Yeah. Um, who then that's the thing the year before he, he had saving, saving private, private ryan, ryan so yeah. um so yeah 99 was a wonderful year american beauty is a perfectly fine film i don't hate it some people do i don't because there's goodness in there and i think especially i think if you're a film student i think you can watch stuff and yeah. get things out of it yeah i think so um and so so yeah uh, i think that sums up this discussion um the next one we will be talking about uh the winner for the aforementioned 1998 which is uh shakespeare in love directed by john madden famed football personality and uh (laughs) that's a joke of course but you'd you'd be surprised how many people i was on i was on a uh on a kind of a video podcast although i guess it's not a podcast so it's just a video show on youtube called 11 points countdown and we were talking about uh the 11 least deserving best picture winners david and i did not contribute to this list we merely commented on the listener generated list american beauty was on the list i believe uh shakespeare in love was on the list um and i mentioned john madden and the host of the show who's a who's a really good guy named sam greenspan he just looked at me mystified i said (laughs) oh john madden's the name of the director you must have thought that was a real non sequitur (laughs) so um so yeah, it uh so that's what we'll be talking about for the for the next uh, uh best of pictures. I'm just imagining the thoughts in his head when it seemed like suddenly you had decided to start talking about John Madden, yeah. the football commentator. I've grown tired of this movie talk. <laughs> um but yeah, so all right. Uh any uh any uh comments that you have on this episode, you can uh you can put on uh, the post at more than one lesson dot com. And uh I think we will leave it at that. So Josh, thanks for being here. Well, you're welcome. Thank you guys for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye.